Hey, it's Bridget and Liz, and you're listening to Dude, Dude, Guess What? Hey, hey, hey. It's episode 12. Woo! And today we have on two very special guests, um, Janelle and Ryan Pegram. Um, I, uh, I was talking to them before we got on here. And so I know, I mean, I don't like, no, no, but Pegram actually, and that's the thing is I should call you Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, your name's Ryan too? It is. Isn't your husband named Ryan? Yeah, my husband's name is Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. Good name. I, uh, they served a church mission together in Guatemala and you know, Anthony will always talk about him. And I'm, and so I was like doing this podcast. I'm like, should I call him Pegram? Should I call him Ryan? Because I just know him by his last name. And so anyway, his name's Ryan. I may call him Pegram just for, yeah. Cause that's I mean, I, we can call you by Durfee if you want. Like, we'll just like, you know, <laughs> I know level the playing field. He Dur- was Durfee's her husband. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> Never mind. We'll just call you, we'll just call you your regular name. I know before you got on here, Liz, I was talking to Ryan and I said something about Anthony and he was like, oh, it is so weird hearing you say Anthony. But anyway, did you guys do anything fun this weekend? It's Mother's Day. Janelle, did you have a good Mother's Day? I had a great Mother's Day. I was say we're recording this on Mother's Day. Ryan was so nice to me today. So it was good. We have a two-year-old, so he kind of hung out with a two-year-old all day and I did whatever I wanted all day. Which is my ideal situation. Every mother's dream. <laughs> I know. I feel like that's my dream every day, and I'm not even a mom yet. I'm like, can we just like have alone time? Like, I would love to be by myself for 30 minutes. <laughs> I love Ryan, but also, I mean, we've been since we got married. We got married in the pandemic, so like, we've both been working from home, like, like all the time. So it's like, you know, most people have like the eight to five job, and they see each- they see each other in the morning and at night. Anyway. It's been fine, but I'm like, dude, since we made it through this pandemic, seeing each other all day, every day, like we're good. We good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Today though, I like, all I wanted was to take a nap for mother's day. And Anthony was like, sure. Yeah. Like I'll watch the kids. And, and I woke up two hours later. Like that has never happened. It's a good nap. I know. I don't even know the last time I slept as a nap for two hours. Did you take a sleeping pill? No. Oh, I feel like that's a long nap for like being unmedicated. <laughs> <laughs> so, however, Anthony made, I don't know. Do you cook Ryan or at all? I do cook. I'm, I'm the one that cooks here. Don't tell people her secrets. <laughs> um, Anthony doesn't cook like at all anything i don't even know if he knows how to make mac like before we got married i was like how did you survive and he's like totino's pizza like that is it sponsored by yeah Yeah, sponsored by totino's um he made a coconut shrimp curry and i was like is anthony a chef now like who is he it was i know she was like blowing up me and sarah's phones like omg guys i think i have a married i married a secret chef i'm like i don't know this is like the first time i've heard of it and you guys been married like eight years so <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if it's a re- if it's a fluke or what yeah it was crazy but um another thing is do you guys like you guys like crumble cookies 
Yes. Well, I do. Ryan's not a dessert person, which I don't understand. How is that possible? It's not, it's not that I don't like dessert. It's just like, I can't be, I can't be tempted by it, you know? Well, yeah, we go you're out like to dinner. really into fitness, aren't you? Like, I remember you like did like, you guys lived in Texas at one point and I feel like you owned like a gym or something. Yeah, I had, I had my I had my own little boot camp, but like it's not it's not like it's not a health thing at all. Okay. I just really, <laughs> I just I just can't be tempted. He will eat like dessert. Don't get me wrong, but like we go out to dinner, I am like eyeing what I'm gonna eat for dessert, and he goes for the dinner. Like oh, dinner okay, to me yeah. is just like. Meh. <laughs> but. I feel like I'm an appetizer person too. I'm like, hmm. Oh yeah, Brit. No, actually, Bridget, you're just a nachos person. Literally, we could go anywhere and be like nachos. I'm like, that's that's all you're gonna eat is like cheese and chips. <laughs> what's wrong with that <laughs> the best. that's my point right there <laughs> i don't know i'm just and i yeah dessert is awesome but, but um okay crumble though real quick bridge this week did you guys look up the, uh, at the uh have you guys I seen didn't. it post yet <laughs> they're like so not dedicated <laughs> oh we i mean i was in the car ride home and i was like uh i need to like i was like stalking the page because i was like i need to know if i'm gonna get crumble this week or what but Bridget has been like so unsatisfied with the lineup lately and my Ryan was telling me she's like man Bridget's only going to be happy with the lineup when the Jack Jack num num comes back because they've had like some good ones lately oh. I think but Bridget's like shooting it down every single chance Pop potato chip like I just I think it sounds interesting it's good we had one with potato chips in it it's it actually was, pretty good it was like the kitchen sink one it's good because it's, it's good. salty like it's salty and sweet yeah. Okay, so yeah you know have you guys know like it's like rocky mountain chocolate factory they make mm-hmm. like caramel apples i remember they also serve like obviously chocolate there and they have chocolate dipped um potato chips i've never tried it but i'm like Ugh, i just i, I feel like it's best of both worlds in that one so i don't or know pecan gonna- pie they have they have a cookie pecan pie i'm like who likes pecan do you guys like pecan pie I don't. Am I 800? I, I do I like the <laughs> Oh, or like, you know, P- I mean, this isn't on the menu, but like rhubarb pie. I just don't. I dig it. It's funny because my wife definitely has a sweet tooth between us two, but, but I can, I can get down with some cheesecake and some apple dessert, but those are the two sweet things she just doesn't like. I like apple dessert. Stop. Don't lie. It's just <laughs> not my like number one choice. Do you like, I have yet to meet a dessert I don't like besides cheesecake. I love okay, cheesecake. but is it just like, do you not like pie at all? Because I am no, not I like a Boston cream pie, oh. Oreo pie. I like apple pie. Oreo pie? Dude, that sounds bomb. I know, right? Yeah, I like oh. pie. I just don't like cheesecake. Really. If we oh, had to limit to one dessert. Yeah, you can inject yeah. that in the veins. I love it. Yeah. that was that was that's one of their did you already say that was that's one of their cookies the which one cake this week oh yeah sea salt ke- or what is it caramel salted caramel cheesecake yeah, yeah. there's or- also pina colada which sounded interesting yeah my <laughs> problem is, is i wish that they would serve so when we got married we actually had crumble like do the cookies whatever oh, the tiny ones yeah and i wish they would sell those at normal rate like i don't <laughs> want a ginormous cookie of one flavor like I want to be able to try multiple but I guess I mean I understand it's a business and they want to make money so like we always cut ours yeah yeah. like a portion yeah so do we but I'm just like I just want like a tiny one I don't and I just want to eat one bite I don't want to freaking have this huge cookie anyway I wish moral of the story is crumble get it together let us let us order the small ones without (laughs) ordering 50 at a time 
I know that's the thing is I was looking on online for that and they said um you can only order 50 of those mini ones at a time so many yeah that's why Mrs. Fields just has to come back (laughs) (laughs) all right okay well today so we have on like I said Ryan and Janelle and today is um a heavy and sensitive topic so essentially um trigger warning for those i mean this episode is about the loss of a child and so for anybody that has um is sensitive towards that please um do so at your own pace or if if you don't that's okay too um okay so just tell us a little bit about um your guys is like story i know that you guys um had your baby her name's lila right okay um she was born in 2019 i want to say yeah yes okay um tell us just a little bit about like your pregnancy um and i guess uh you know when you were pregnant was there any cause for concern well lila lila was born with something called williams syndrome it is a genetic defect on the seventh chromosome and labor or pregnancy it was it was kind of abnormal no it wasn't okay kind of kind of (laughs) the thing about lila well about being pregnant with lila is everything was like huh like when i went in for my 20 week anatomy ultrasound they were like oh she has you're supposed to have three vessels or yeah three whatever in their umbilical cord two bring stuff in and one takes stuff out in their what in their vocal they're in their umbilical cord oh sorry i thought you said something no sorry in there i should speak more clearly you're fine in their umbilical cord they have three are they vessels arteries they're they're vessels so three vessels two of them bring nutrients in and one brings them out and so that was the first thing that i noticed like oh she only has one and one and i was like oh well is that bad and they're like no like it's in like 10 percent of pregnancies could be totally fine like okay and then her heart. We went in for an ultrasound and the tech looked at her heart and said that it didn't look completely symmetrical. And then the OB came in and recommended us to a specialist. So he went to a specialist and got a fetal echocardiogram mm-hmm. over in Dallas. And so it was kind of stressful. We, we were worried about this. You know, what's wrong with her baby? Is, is there something going on with her heart? And so we went in for this echocardiogram for about 45 minutes and the cardiologist came in and she ended up saying, I don't know why y'all are even here. Your baby's heart is perfect. Go home. Don't worry. Everything is fine. And so we were pretty relieved after. She also said, I'll never see you again. And I was like, yes, you will never see me again after that. So we were, we were, we were pretty comfortable after that appointment that nothing was actually going on. We we didn't, we didn't have too much cause for, for concern at this point. Until right before I got induced. So I got induced on the 2nd of January. How far along were you? Were you like, I was 38 weeks. She was just small. So because of that umbilical cord thing, they were like, she's a tiny baby. So if we get her out, she could grow faster out of you than in you. Okay. Okay. So they're like, okay, like 38 weeks, let's pull her. And then she'll be, you know, she'll grow and she'll be fine. Yeah. And I remember like a few, was it like a couple days before, a day before? We were like not Yeah, to to dig into the religious realm a little bit here. Um 
we, we are part of the LDS faith. So I gave my, it's tradition to give your wife a blessing before she goes into labor. Yeah. And I remember after this blessing, both of us felt very uneasy uh, with what was going on. Um, we were just very unsure of our future. We didn't, we didn't, it, we didn't really have any indication, any divine indication that things were going to go completely right. Yeah. Uh, with, with our baby and again we didn't really have too much reason to actually worry mm -hmm. but we both had a sinking feeling of something is something is going on yeah. something's not right so that was on a Monday when that happened and you were induced on Tuesday was it Tuesday or Wednesday yeah because I had to go in early right okay. well, but up until like your blessing like you did you were just like okay everything's fine like I mean I know you had the echocardiogram but like I think Ryan and I, something we've noticed in our marriage and what being parents, because we have our two-year-old now, we have Graham, we always kind of have been on the same wavelength where like, if something isn't quite right, we both know it's not quite right, but I think we fear like putting that out into the universe. Yeah. Like, so we kind of have these moments where we look at each other and we're like, I don't, I don't know. Like, and so we, I, I don't know. I feel like we feel like that way all the time, but we tried to talk ourselves out of it. Yeah. And my mom, like my mom, my parents, like they were like, you're just first time parents. You're just worrying. Like, it'll be totally fine. Cause what else do people tell you? They're not going to tell you like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you should be worrying. Yeah. Terrible. <laughs> so yeah. they're like, you know, the ladies I work with who I love to talk to them all the time. And they're like, you're just worrying. It's going to be fine. When you have that baby in your arms, everything will be fine. And it was for like, <laughs> a minute but yeah. anyway that's getting ahead of ourselves yeah, but so you, yeah. so you I mean you go in you get induced mm -hmm. and did you have her vaginally or c-section or I delivered vaginally so that part was normal and then yeah. they put her on me we have this beautiful photo of the three of us and it's like it's like the last moment before the, the last photo taken before disaster you yeah know? just like complete yeah, and like calm before the, the storm yeah, yeah like I look at it and it almost makes me like not upset or sad. I don't know. I just look at it and I'm like, that is a moment of pure joy with two people who had no idea what was about to happen to them because you remember all the men. I was like, you know, I just given birth. He knows he's in nursing school. He knows all the words. I don't know all the words, but shortly after they took her off me to do all the stuff they do, like, you know, clean them up, check everything. You could probably tell it better what happens. Oh, they, you know, they, they do the APGAR score and they do all these little tests. And since she was born a little early, they do it's standard operating procedure to do a blood sugar test on, on the baby. And they did a blood sugar on her and it came back to be like, wasn't it like four, it was 15 or 16. <laughs> was like it was extremely low. And so that was kind of the, that, that, that was when the shoe dropped, you know, I'm like, okay, here we go. <laughs> I'm like this sitting is, there on the table, just, you know, getting yeah. sewn up. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, that's childbirth is like something else. Like it's just, well, it's I also remember this. I know I'm like three. I'm like, yay. I love hearing like these crazy stories. I mean, I do, but also like, I've heard it from like my sisters. I'm like, I know what I'm getting myself in for. There's like no like oh I Surprising. wonder what's gonna happen <laughs> we had a conversation before I gave birth and I looked at you and I said if anything happens you go with the baby yeah. and my mom will stay with me not thinking anything like I was like nothing's gonna happen but like if it does you need to and that actually ended up being very important yeah 
with her. But her blood sugar came back super low. The nurse is like, oh, don't worry. We'll just do it again. And mm -hmm. so we did it again. Her blood sugar came back to be 15 this time. And so they, they, the nurse utters a phrase that was pretty common throughout Lila's life. It was, oh, don't worry. If she's going to have a problem, this is the problem I would want. You know, you want like low, <laughs> low blood sugar is a pretty, it's, it's a pretty fixable problem. Well, they gave her like, they gave her something. Yeah, they, gave her, they, they, give, her? they gave her something called Sweeties. It's just like a little yeah, sugar water. No, that's when yeah. they found her stuffed palate when they were trying to shove stuff down her throat when she was laying down. Oh, whatever. But Oh, they were trying to suction her out? She had a cleft palate. Okay. Oh, so okay. suddenly we're dealing with a baby with a cleft palate and we're like, oh and, my gosh. And we hear the same thing like, oh, don't worry. If you're going to have a baby with a problem, with a defect, you want a cleft palate. It's pretty fixable, which it, it is. It wasn't her face. It was just yeah. the very, very back. So she was beautiful. Ooh. Were you, Ryan, when you were like, um, like with her, were you like, okay, maybe this is like the thing that I felt uneasy about like several days prior? Or were you still like, I don't know, like. I was still kind of like, eh, I don't know. Like there's, there's, there's something going on here just because she, she also looked a little peculiar when she came out. She had these huge lips that stretched all the way across her face almost. So I was like, uh -huh. do newborn babies actually look like that? They went down. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, excuse it got, me. It got better, but. She did. She had like Botox baby lips. <clears throat> yeah, but, but I did have the sinking feeling of, oh, there's, some, there's something else going on here. There's something happening. Yeah. But then they brought her back finally. We did get her. We were in like the recovery room with her together. Yeah. And they were like okay, we'll just keep checking her, keep checking your blood sugar. We know she has a cleft palate, so we'll feed her more upright. So yeah. she'll be okay. And then our night nurse is the one who figured everything yeah, out. Yeah, our night nurse, I think she she wanted to, ec to order an echocardiogram. Because keep in mind, the pediatrician came and checked her and they're like, oh, she's great. Everything's fine. But she kept failing her blood sugar test throughout the night. So they like ordered her to the NICU and then the night nurse, I cannot remember her name. I God bless her. Whoever she is, I need to find her. But is she a NICU she, nurse? No, she was just oh. my recovery nurse. And she's oh, like, oh. this baby needs an echo. Like you need to order an echo on this baby. Yeah. No real reason to, except for experience, I guess. She's yeah. new. Yeah. And so they do the echo in the NICU. That's like the middle of the night. Like I've barely slept in two days. I don't, I think you were asleep. I was asleep. Because I called them to find you. I got woken up to a phone call saying, hey, you need to go see your daughter. She's in the NICU. <laughs> um, they do the echo and they found out that she had an interrupted aortic arch. So what that means is her her aorta, which is the the enormous blood vessel that connects your heart to the to the lower part of your body, yeah. her aorta wasn't connected to her heart. Oh, wow. Is that, is that, is that what William's disease is? Um, is William's like has a lot of things, a lot of things, but heart issues is a very strong characteristic of William's syndrome, really? having heart problems. Liz okay. actually um, has heart issues too. Yeah. I was born with a heart problem too. Um, I had pulmonary stenosis and then like developed a long QT. Um, she saw a cardiology major so. and I also had a my um we had an echocardiogram a fetal echo echo like a couple weeks ago for our baby because wow. of my heart history and <clears throat> I mean they said everything was fine too but like also you never know like you're like what you guys are saying like they can only see so much right like you're doing doing it inside it's 
medicine's great and it can but it also has limitations so like well and their hearts are like the size of grapes like they're only working with such tiny little things so what was happening was so she didn't have her aorta wasn't connected and the part of her heart so when you're in the womb what do you know what it's called that part that's open so the it's actually another genetic defect called patent ductus arteriosus and after you're born this little part of your heart that connects your heart to your lower body it's supposed to close but for lila they needed that to stay open and so her lower body could get blood flow to it okay so they gave her some so essentially this performed the function of priority while we waited to have that repaired right so why did the nurse want to order an echo like did she hear something or i don't know if she heard it. her feet were blue like i guess babies when they come out like it's not uncommon for them to have like purpley blue feet yeah like, it's not the weirdest thing but like now after like having Graham, i'm like i don't ever remember his feet being blue but like lilas were like blue like they weren't getting the yeah, oxygen yeah. they needed so i don't know she probably just like was inspired yeah, yeah. <laughs> like i don't know because we could have she could have died then like she could have died with me just holding her and i wouldn't have known yeah wow so that was all within the first 24 hours? Yeah. <laughs> so then, but she goes to the NICU and then they get the echo done and they find out that she has Williams syndrome. So I'm sitting there in, no. So I'm sitting there in the NICU. He is asleep and I'm having him called. They're telling me that like, given the fact that she has a heart issue and a cleft palate and her feet were kind of. Cattywampus. Cattywampus. They weren't quite <laughs> straight. They're like, this is a central, you're seeing things in a central line that are defects. So it's, it could be a sign of a genetic condition. So they're pulling her blood to do that. They're telling me like about trisomy 13 and 18, like these scary, like death sentence things. They're like, don't Google it. <laughs> don't come like, <laughs> but, but of course, like as soon like, as you leave I'm the room, I will be Googling it. So <laughs> don't tell me that. You guys yeah. get genetic testing done when you were pregnant with her? Not like, with her, no. Okay. Since then, yes, but not with her. You know, I feel like um, when you guys, I feel like maybe Anthony had told me that. And so he was like, I remember with, because with Austin, our first one, we didn't get it done. Anthony has a sister that's Down syndrome. And then he has a cousin that's Down syndrome and like um, a great aunt that had Down syndrome. So we didn't know if it was like in the family or not. And so in our minds, we were, when we had Austin, we're like, oh, we don't need a genetic, like, we'll love the baby no matter what, you know, you're just like so naive about that kind of stuff. But then I feel like he had told me um, about your guys' story. And I remember that was like one of the things too, why we got JD like genetically tested to like, I don't know, be more prepared in case something happened or I don't know. But would that have come up in the genetic testing if you had gotten it done? No. No, usually like with Graham, when we did it, they were looking for trisomies. So like 13, 18, 21, and then they can figure out the sex of your baby Yeah, that way too. So, I mean, you can do an amnio, but I wasn't going to do an amnio with Graham because I was like, well. (laughs) Don't they pull fluid out of your tummy with a needle? Yeah, like it can lead to a miscarriage. Like it's so it's. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, like, 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 like you said, Bridget, like it's not. You do want to be equipped with information, but at the same time, it does. It's not really going to change. Yeah, anything right. For us, you know, like we're, we want to love the baby no matter what. 
Uh, I'm going to ask a question because I don't know. I, I This is the first time I've, I've, I've ever heard your guys' story. So this is all new to me. And Bridget was like telling me, she's like, yeah, the baby had Williams syndrome. And I didn't Google it because I was like, I just, I don't want to come with any like preconceived whatever, you know, of what it is. But can you tell us what that is or what like your understanding of Williams, is it Williams disease or Williams syndrome? I, Williams syndrome. It's Williams syndrome. So we didn't find out about it until she was like 35 days old. Like it took that long to oh, get those wow. old. Back. Okay. Yeah. So it took a while or 30-ish. It was around the 30s. You oh, guys nice. just thought it was like cleft palate, heart problem. No, we were waiting. Like every day I'd be like, so did you get it yet? So did you was get it yet? Was you that whole time? We were in the NICU for 35 days. Oh my goodness. Wow. And she had already had her first surgery. Yeah, that was by this point. Surgery was day five. So Williams syndrome, it's first of all, we're not like the leading experts in Williams syndrome just because (laughs) we weren't we weren't in that community for that long. Um, but Williams syndrome, it's primarily when you think of someone with with Williams syndrome, it's you think of someone who they have like elf-like features. Um, the kid, the kids are adorable. They have big eyes and they have like cute petite like faces I don't know they look like little elves like when you think like Santa's elves like those cute little faces that's what they look like but they're they're characterized by being extremely friendly they're friendly people they're a little they're trustworthy maybe to a fault sometimes Mm. they are they're extremely extroverted they love music um but unfortunately along along with that comes uh heart defects and, and there can be some cognitive issues too that go along with it. Yeah, learning disabilities, but there's there's a lot of it's not this isn't a a, a disease that like kills people. Mm-hmm. There's not it doesn't have a high mortality rate. Okay, it could it's mostly survivable. Yeah, yes. we've met lots of people with it. We've met oh, there's right. actually a guy who lives in our town right now. He's like 45, and he like is was like the grand was like the grand marshal of some parade or something. Yeah, ago. it's cute. He has it. But it was interesting because when they told us about it, they handed me a stack of papers that was like, you can't see. It was probably like an inch tall. Yeah. And they were like, I can't tell you what her life will look like, but here's all the things that could happen. Because oh, like, there's just such a variety of like things. Yeah. Well, and it's pretty rare, right? It's, one- it's rare, but it's not, it's not terribly uncommon. I want to say one in every... Was it like a hundred thousand? I, I want to. It's either ten or a hundred thousand. I think it's a hundred. I don't think it's ten. But I don't know. This is like we said. We're not the best. No, like you're... most knowledgeable <laughs> about this. We just know our experience with it. Yeah. yeah. Well, another thing about Williams syndrome also that gave us it was interesting to us is was a well, sorry it was a sporadic genetic condition. So it wasn't inherited. It wasn't something that like in theory we don't need to worry about that moving forward with our other children because it was just something that happened. Back to the story. You're in the NICU. No, uh, but at that point, like we we find out that her aorta isn't attached to her heart. They call an ambulance. We got to get transferred to another hospital. I go with the baby, like like my wife said. My wife is still is still there at the other hospital, needing to get discharged. I'm demanding to be discharged. <laughs> yeah. And you and, guys, you guys, what she was um sent to like a pediatric hospital. Mm-hmm. yeah well they gave us a choice it was funny they're like do you want to go to dallas where we went for our fetal echo like or do you want to go to fort worth and we knew nothing about either all i knew was that that lady was in dallas that i did not want to go back to because she had lied to me which in her defense i doubt she lied to me but like in my brain 
I was emotional. I was like, we're going to Fort Worth. We like Fort Worth better as a city. Well, yeah. I was just, I don't like Dallas traffic. So I'd rather go to going Fort, to Fort Worth. Worth. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we ended up in heaven on earth. I'm convinced. Yeah. It was a beautiful hospital. Cook Children's mm-hmm. Fort Worth. So I'll put the plug out there. You say it was Cook, the Cook's Hospital? Yeah. yeah. Cook Children's. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're a good hospital. Um, so we get there and you were there. You said it was chaotic and it was obviously. chaotic and there's nurses and, and a cardiologist and a doctor all surrounding our baby. And I'm sitting there in a chair crying mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't really know what's going on. And, and it, it was kind of cute because the ambulance that picked us up from one hospital, it, it's called, it's called like y'all, it's called a teddy bear transport. Mm-hmm. So it, it's like, it's the cutest ambulance that you never want to ride in. It's like, you know, it's like teal blue, like <laughs> it's like real cute. And and, and then, so that's what they use as a transfer us from one hospital to another. And we get to the new hospital and it's, it's a, like you said, it's a beautiful hospital. All the staff there was absolutely amazing. Absolutely loved all of them. But it was just chaotic trying to get her settled and, and trying to get adjusted to a reality that I really didn't imagine could happen to us. So you're saying like your doctors and nurses, like this team, you had a good experience with the new team at Cook. At 100%. Yeah. yeah. that's yeah I could write a novel about all my feelings about the people there but um yeah so that happened I finally get there they sit down they kind of tell us we have two options this was like like we said it was Thursday so now we're at Thursday-ish because she was born on Wednesday and they were like okay you can have surgery like this weekend you can have the weekend guy or if you wait till Monday you can have like the all-star a-team doctor he'll be back from vacation like thoroughly rested ready to go we're like okay let's wait and he was like he was like top top 10 doctors uh, pediatric cardiothoracic surgeon in, in, the, in the country dr tan beautiful man oh yeah he's lovely so, so you waited did, until monday then yeah it was up to her like if she had given us any oh, yeah. to, i see i see like not wait but we waited and she had surgery on a monday morning went in the whole surgery i mean like the whole surgery lasted about five hours maybe the procedure itself is like 30 seconds like the and they didn't open her chest because it's her air they able to go through her back like through her shoulder they do it what's the um not like not where they have to open up where like do it's like robotic surgery yeah it was like no he did it like he he does it with his own little his hands okay oh robotic no i meant like you know someone's I don't know. It's like it's basically like minimally invasive, like right. Back yeah, yeah. Surgery. I know what you're yeah. talking. About. I can't think. So she has heart surgery, and then you guys are in the NICU for a while. You find yeah. Out- so we went to the CICU, the cardiac ICU first, mm-hmm. and she was like the all star of the cardiac ICU. Like she hit, you know, hit everything she was supposed to hit. She moved forward. She was like getting through everything. The biggest problem she had was eating. Cause I guess cardiac babies have a really hard time learning how to eat. So she's got her cleft palate and she's a cardiac baby. So like learning to eat was like what kept us in the NICU as long as we were there. Like an NG tube or a G tube Mm -hmm. or okay. We did the NG tube route and every day was like groundhog's day. We just kind of were there. We were trying to figure out how much she was eating. We held her. Ryan didn't like it because it was hot. It was hot. Yeah. we kind of got grumpy at each other a lot a lot because <laughs> it's stressful yeah. so we are only yeah, it's stressful yeah. you guys have like it's your first kid and you're going through this like huge yeah thing. Like, yeah I can only can't even imagine so we're in the cardiac ICU for a week and then we got transferred back to the NICU so we got kicked out because they're like she's doing great 
go learn how to eat and then you can go home and she like everything's fine and then you guys find out she has williams syndrome Mm-hmm. and you guys took her home after yeah because Williams didn't give us any pause in the sense of it gave us stuff to look for and it gave us stuff like okay now you need to go to you know we were like scheduled for an eye doctor and an ear like you know all these things to kind of mm-hmm. keep an eye on her but there was no reason why we couldn't go home except for we did have to learn how to put in an NG tube both of us did yeah and then we could go home and we did it and we did it <laughs> holy cow I'm like, you know, our little boy JD was in there for two weeks and he ended up, he had an NG tube and an OG tube, but we didn't ever have to learn how to do that stuff. But I feel like the NICU is like a special place. So you guys were able to take her home, right? Mm-hmm. Did you guys know that she would have to have a second surgery? No, not at that point. So we had frequent checkups with a cardiologist and a one of the checkups the they noticed that her the the blood vessels surrounding her heart were beginning to narrow and that's another characteristic of williams syndrome is that blood vessels begin to narrow and, and so, this is post the first surgery this is post first mm-hmm. surgery we're, we're happy living her life at home so we're, she yeah she lived for 84 days so 35 of those were in the NICU and then the other ones were at home um yeah, so we find out that her blood vessels are, are starting to narrow, and obviously you don't want them to narrow up to a certain point because that's gonna that's gonna cause obvious death. So we find out that she needs to go back in for another heart surgery to widen up those blood vessels. Okay. And this one was gonna be like through the chest, 10 to 12 hours, like the oh, you know, wow. kind of what you associate with heart surgery where they yeah. crack them open, do all the from here from the chest wall. And wow. and what what how many days old was she at this time point? Like this when you found out she had the second one? 82. 82. Oh, okay. 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 So yeah, we went in about 82 days old. Yeah. Okay. So then she goes and has her heart surgery. And is that when she passes away then in her heart surgery? Yes. So essentially a surgery that was supposed to be 10 to 12 hours was about 26 it was 22. 22. So it was very long. We broke the record for the longest surgery at the hospital. Yeah. Wow. Do you have to switch out surgeons or is it the uh-uh. same? Oh, wow. Bless that man. He I was know. there the whole time Don't and his know. team. They like brought him food and stuff. Like that's how they do it. So they like, originally they call, they call you. So like somebody's in charge of calling you every like, like hour to every, two. Every hour. And be like, Hey, like she's doing great. Like we're doing this right now. And like, it was an interesting start because from the beginning, it was a little nerve wracking, obviously, but like they couldn't get her lines in that took longer than it should. Cause you have to put on all these lines before you start. Mm-hmm. So that was taking a lot longer. And then they finally got in there. And then when they were in there, they realized it was a lot worse than they had anticipated. It was correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. Correct me if I'm wrong on any of this. Um, so they're doing a lot more work than they thought they were going to be doing. Um, and that obviously took a lot more time. Mm-hmm. And then there was a point, this was in like at like midnight or something. So it's all kind of blurry, <laughs> but there was a point when they called me and I could just hear like the utter panic, but they're oh, trying to be like, so God. she's not doing as great, but um, we're doing what we, what we can. I mean, you know, the phrase, I know, you know, it. <sighs> Was she, the, the, she was the, in surgery at this point when they called in that. surgery and there was there was the the nice nurse the nice OR nurse was who was like a bubbly and in charge of talking to patients parents she was the one that was calling us uh-huh. and I remember the last phone call that we get from her she's like 
I'm sorry. I don't really have any good news to report. Things are not going well. And I'm sorry. I'll call you and give you an update. And yeah. that was, and that was kind of it. So essentially what happened, what caused her death was they were trying to put her onto an ECMO machine. So an mm -hmm. ECMO machine is a, like a bypass, like a heart lung machine that can leave the OR because she wasn't, they were trying to get her off the bypass machine and she wouldn't go off essentially, mm -hmm. right? Layman's right. terms. Mm -hmm. She wouldn't go off. So they're trying to put her on ECMO. So I ECMO is like where they cycle the blood back in and mm -hmm. out, right? So okay. it essentially does everything that a bypass machine does, but you can take it out of the OR with you. Okay. okay. Like patients come out on ECMO and they can be on ECMO for like even a few days while they try to push them off of it again. So it kind of just gives your body time to rest because your body's been through like trauma at this right. point. Your whole body has been through so much trauma trying to be like healed. And so she, they're trying to put her on this ECMO machine. And I don't know if it was because of the clotting. It was the clotting agent that they put through the machine to help the blood clot when yeah. it goes into the body. So they that is in there and it the machine got clogged. So like not what you want for an, a machine that's supposed to be yeah. keeping the baby alive. And so they had to manually pump her heart for 10 minutes while they built a new machine. Oh my gosh. So does so that they, like attribute to her death? Like the clogging yeah. of the machine? We believe they won't, it's, it's undetermined if that was the thing that killed her, but they can. Could you sue them for that? I mean, like, I don't just, know. We, ne we never would because oh, I, just... I know like in my heart of heart that every person in that room did everything they could for yeah. me. Yeah. And that there are some things that are beyond people's control. Yeah. Right. I just was, I am like genuinely curious if you would know. Yeah, I'm, you I'm sure. sign a million waivers before surgery. Right. And you know, like there, there might be a case, but I would never think of it ever, no, ever, no. ever. So, and it was interesting because one of our, one of our doctors from the cardiac ICU, his name's Dr. Chimelli. He was like, wasn't on her case at the time, but he remembered us from before. Cause he was on her case previously. And he was like, he came in and found us and kind of like geared us up for what was happening. Like, he's like, it's like, he's like a straight shooter. And he like, I think he kind of told us that it wasn't going, like it was going downhill super fast. Yeah. Like no one wanted to tell us. Did you appreciate that? Like, you're glad that he was up front or. I you... think it depends who you ask. It, it depends. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, cause at the time it, it's hard to, to kind of paint a picture. Yeah. We were, we were up all night and, you know, I'm watching Janelle pace that surgical waiting room yeah in tears kind of yelling at god god save my baby god save my baby yeah and we're hungry and we're dirty and we stink and we're tired and we're crying and our entire lives are being destroyed yeah um so it it's all I wanted from the from the doctor was good news but also there's a side of me that was like <clears throat> Well, at least like I, I was not doing great, but at least, you know, like looking back, I'm like, at least I had some warning before I like was thrown into like the reality of what was happening. I don't know. I don't think anything would have gotten through to me really at that point. Cause I was convinced that I would have a miracle and it would be okay. So that's, so that happened. They built the new one. They put her on it, even though we know that she was, she was brain dead at that point. Cause that's ultimately what they, how they determined she right. was dead. But, um, but we don't she, know that yet. We don't know that at that point. So they, she goes back, we get to go see her. 
And she looks to, to, to paint another another picture for you. You don't really think about what your kid looks like after heart surgery, but in, when they open up your chest, your body has swollen so much from the trauma. It's just, it's just gone through that. They can't, they can't close your chest back yeah. up. So when they bring babies out of heart surgery, their chest is still open. Oh, and when we see her, we see, they covered it at first. Yeah, yeah. They, they cover it. They cover it with a, with a little mesh, but, at, but you can still see her heart beating. You can see, yeah. you can still see her lungs inflating. You can see all the little tubes coming out of her heart. That's, that's, that's keeping her alive at this point. And our nine pound baby was like a 25 pound baby. Like because she was so, so swollen. swollen. Really? It was a pretty shocking sight, <laughs> and she just didn't look like her. So then they gave us the room to sleep at the hospital, which you never want to be the person who gets the room to sleep at the hospital because that that means you're super special at that point. Yeah. And oh, they did a EKG. Isn't that what it's called? Yeah. To check her brain. Oh. Yeah. No, am I out of order? What happened next? Oh well, EKG is the heart. But oh, sorry. What's the brain one? I forgot. Yeah, I can't think of what it's called either. I think it's EEG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it is. EEG. They did a lot of stuff like, and it was like, okay, we're going to try this thing. And if this thing works, then like, she's going to be okay. And like, they would try something and like, it wouldn't change anything. So I don't know. I think we were just on borrowed time at that point, obviously. So essentially they did everything they could. And they're like, we're going to do a brain test to kind of see if she's got functionality going on up here. And they do it like all night. They're like, go to sleep. So we went and we slept. And we woke up and we're like, oh, this is the morning of the 27th of April, March, March. Hello, March, not April, March 27th. And so we go and like the neurologist sits us down. We had like a pep talk the night before from our heart surgeon too. He's like, if her brain's okay, her heart's going to be great. And we're like, okay. You know, everyone's trying to like, like, but they can. Yeah. Yeah. And so then he like sat us down. He's like, okay. Well, he, he looks at the he looks at the results and he points at him and he's like, this really sucks. <laughs> well, they have to like, I don't know if it's a legality thing or if it's just for your like sense of self, but they like ha- they take you through a checklist. They're like, so the first thing we checked was, and like, does she have a gag reflex? No. The next thing we checked was, and they just go through a list and you're just like. It got to a point where I was like, okay, I get it. Like, like I get it. She's dead. I get it. I she's gone. She's not there. <laughs> and oh, so man. we had, at this point, we're burning through the blood bank, like pretty severely. Mm-hmm. We're, we know she's not there anymore. And so we had to like make the decision no parent wants to make and be like, okay, it's time to like call it. And that was a very, one of the most terrible experiences of my life, obviously, but I don't know that hospital, the way they handle it was probably one of the most reverent things I've ever seen. Was it just you two, or did you guys have any family that were with you at all? So we allowed our parents to go say goodbye. Yeah. So his parents and my parents each went in and that was it. And then we were the only ones there besides the nurse, like the, so the way they do it, they actually clear the whole floor. So you can't have any parents or visitors on the floor. So it's just the family. Oh, and then they have all of the staff line the outside the room. They all kind of just stand there with their heads down and to show respect for what's happening. And they kind of gear you up. They're like, okay, there's going to be like a lot of noise, like, cause we're going to cut these things down. Everything is going to go off. We'll try to get the machines out as fast as we can. Cause it's very chaotic and the doctor has to call it. And then the doctor, did he, then he just left. 
And then it was just the two of us. Yeah, he called it, gave us a hug, said I'm sorry, and then then he left. Then they let you kind of be with them as long as you want to. Yeah. But then you leave and they come in and they like sew her back up, dress her. So she looks more baby like. Mm-hmm. And then they let you hold her. You know, they they do really good things. They like they took casts of her feet for us. So yeah. we have her feet. These these two girls, I don't know what they're is it child left or child life yeah uh-huh. yeah these they, they, they what an awful job but they came in and they were super sweet and and just like just the right amount of happy and peppy not not overbearing but <laughs> yeah. it's got to be such a hard job but they were incredible yeah. so this may be like a really dumb question but okay, ignorant so sorry um when they take when they took lila off of the machines uh-huh does she is she able like was she able to live a little bit longer after they took her off or did she immediately pass away it was immediate we had a moment with the doctor what was his name i like duncan dr duncan another wonderful man and he you tell tell that one i like that one uh we're kind of coming to terms with with her death and trying to make sense of it and I I remember looking at Lila. She's still on my, on on the machines at this point. I look at her and I say to the to Doctor Duncan, like, man, I just don't know. I guess I just don't know if she's actually in there right now. I don't know if she's there. And he looks at me and he says, "Well, if you ask me, I think she's already been healed." Aww. And that was like, "Oh, dude, I'm gonna cry." Oh, pregnancy <laughs> hormones. It was okay. and. And what that doctor said to me, it it carried me through the next three years, three up until right now, because <laughs> you know the the day she died was obviously very difficult. Yeah, but I the days after the days after were probably more difficult, and the weeks after and the months after were more difficult. Kind of when all the hoopla died down and everyone's hugged you and everyone's giving you their gifts and everyone's kind of tired of hearing you talk about how your baby died and everyone's moved forward but you're still kind of there at the hospital yeah and every day you wake up and there's there was there's a moment where you don't where you don't remember that your kid died yeah and there's a moment where everything is okay and then you remember again and then it's like they died all over again and you relive it. Ugh. Well, and that was actually the weirdest part was we got to hold her and like Ryan and I were very emotional people. So I don't want this to sound like we're unemotional, but we like kind of were like, we held her and we were done. Like we were like, okay, well, I don't, this isn't her. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, so do we just leave? Like, I honestly had no clue what we were supposed to do. I was like, so she stays here and we just like drive home. Yeah. And they're like, yeah. And so we, so I got our empty car seat and that was terrible. And it was the most, like, what do you say on the drive home to each other? You know, Mm -hmm. we went to our house that's covered in all of her crap. And we literally just started taking everything and shoving it into her room. And then we closed the door because I just couldn't. Yeah. It's like bottles, it's binkies, it's blankets, it's laundry wow you guys like I I mean you you don't ever know like fully what somebody goes through and so you guys are living in Texas at this time Mm -hmm. um 
is she buried in Texas? She's buried in California. Okay. We don't have any, we didn't, we don't have any family buried in Texas. So we didn't want her to be buried all alone. In are some you, where are you guys from? Are you from California or Utah? Or? So Ryan is from Texas. Oh, okay. And I am from California. Um, But essentially my, so my grandpa and my mother's mother, my maternal grandpa, grandma parents are buried in um a cemetery in California. And then my mom's stepmother had, so she wanted to be like buried, like in the same row as my grandpa. So she's still alive, but she had a double plot in the same cemetery. So she was like, I don't need the other half of my double plot. Like, do you guys want to bury Lila here? And so it was, you know, it was a gift like here you can, cause like people don't think about it. Like, well, maybe they do. Like if you've buried a parent or a grandparent, you know about like, it's a very expensive thing to do. People will give you a lot of deals when you're burying your child. They'll, you know, give you things half off or for like nothing. Mm-hmm. But like, so that was like a nice gift that we didn't have to worry about that because she just had a place to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we flew her there and then <laughs> we bought the plot next to her. It was available. <laughs> wow. so, so of course they're, they're, they're kind of selling us on this. Like, oh, well, you know, we're running out of room here and, and it's double plot and it's on sale right now. So, and we don't so know how long it. it's going to last. So it, yeah, I'm like, you guys are like 30, 33. So at the time I'm we're 32 like, now. So at the time okay. I was 29, 28 and you were 27. Yeah. So yeah, we're like, super like young and we're like, okay, well, like, like you, you think getting married is a big deal. You think that's permanent Buy a burial plot together. together. <laughs> <laughs> really not getting out of it now. Yeah, because so my my brother-in-law and sister-in-law, they also lost their baby. Um, he was born without kidneys. So they knew this at like at 20 weeks, they knew that um diagnosis was like he would not live. And so he like was he was he lived for about like an hour and a half. And this was in the middle of COVID. Like I wasn't even able to go to the funeral. Only Anthony was. And, um, anyway, for them, I know that they, they in Arizona at least, and I don't know if this is everywhere, but they have like a, um, a cemetery for like children or babies. Yeah. They have one at this place too. Okay. So that like my nephew was buried. It's like, I think they call it like angel or I can't remember. Anyway, it always has some sort of name. I hate that that's a thing, by the way. Yeah. Like I'm glad it is, but at the same time, I, I I hate it. (laughs) I mean, I've never obviously been in your position, but I'm sure it's like weird how your guys's lives have essentially stopped and like the world just like keeps on going. Like, and, and, and you're probably like, like, how can the world, like, it's just, like, how is everybody else able to, like, act like nothing's happening? You know what I mean? I, I hope that makes sense, but. Um, yes, it does. Well, the hardest part is you're going through this terrible thing. Like, I wouldn't wish this thing on my worst enemy. It's the worst thing that I can ever imagine. You're going through this terrible thing and you're going through it. Like, I was, t- I was talking to my dad about this actually the other day. I was like, I was going through this terrible thing and I am sitting there and we're both going through it, but we're both handling it completely different because we're different people. We have different personalities. And so we're two people that experience the exact same thing, but we're, you know, and then there's also this relationship where like, all I want to do is make sure he's okay, but I can't even make sure like, so I'm sitting there trying to pretend like I'm, you know, 
holding it together because I want him to be okay. But then like, I'm not taking care of myself. And there's just a lot of like, just a lot of that. And it's hard to handle just all of your feelings because you don't know what to do with it all. There was a point there, but I don't know what it was, but that was the hardest part for me <laughs> after, oh, sure. like after it happened. Yeah. I mean, I saw that even with like my brother-in-law and my sister-in-law, I think people like process grief or um, trauma or trauma. Yeah. Like differently, you know, my brother-in-law processes grief differently than my sister-in-law. And so it was like, how do I also make sure that like, she's okay and I'm okay. And it's like this hard thing to juggle. So you guys then moved to California after this, correct? Correct. Was that kind of like, like purposeful? You guys were like, I need a new fresh start. Like, cause my house reminds me of, I only know that because my, that's what my brother-in-law and sister-in-law did. They like literally moved to a new home. And we had a, we had a lot of reasons for our move. Obviously the, always Lila dying was the catalyst behind that. We were actually, when she was alive, initially talking about moving to California because they have a Williams syndrome center. So it kind of, the seed was already kind of there. Yeah. But yes, Lila's death was a huge catalyst. Yeah. So we just, yeah, we just couldn't be in that house anymore because everything was just her. The day, the day we moved in was the day we found out that Janelle was pregnant with her. So everything in that house was just Lila. Yeah. And the, the, the move, the move was good. It was, and I'm glad we did it. But I will say, though, I think this is a Sopranos quote. I don't think that there is a geographical solution yeah. to a spiritual problem. But like for me, yeah. And like for me, it was like I, I was a teacher. I was a teacher of first grade children who saw me pregnant, who felt my baby move in my belly. And like everyone knew me as the one who had the baby. And so I had a hard time being like, how am I ever supposed to go back to work? Like, yeah. and obviously there are ways around this. We could have found a different house. I could have found a different job, but like, yeah, there was just a lot of factors that weren't working um, there. And anyone on the outside looking in will probably say like, Oh, well, they just, they just made an emotional decision and ran away. And, <laughs> and, I, and I would say, well, well yeah, I mean, <laughs> we did. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's exactly what we did. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah. what did grief essentially look like for you guys? Like immediately after or even like the first year after, I mean, I've just always heard, and this is, please forgive me. Like if this is totally not accurate, um, that like the second year is harder than the first, essentially in terms of like the first year, you're kind of like numb or processing the grief differently. And then like second year, you're like, yeah, like this is a reality. Like it's, I don't, and I don't know. So I've obviously I've never been in this situation. You want to go? Yeah, I'll go. And this is this is kind of the topic I really wanted to get to (laughs) because grief, yeah, he's ready. Chomping at the bit here. Grief is such a complicated (laughs) thing, but I can only give it from my perspective. And I'm not saying that that is the correct way to process it. I'm not saying that my that, however, I feel is the right way to feel. Well, and we feel very differently. Yeah, Janelle, like we we have both handled this very differently. And to anyone in a similar situation to ours. I would say the the two pieces of advice I give them is let your let your partner grieve in whatever way is best for them, and that to me that's anything short of uh, of physical harm. And the second piece of advice I would say is get a therapist as soon as possible. 
Did you guys wait on that second part or? No, we were in therapy like two weeks later. No, I will say because I'm sure, actually, I know this for a fact. There were plenty of people that wondered if we would still be married. Oh, I'm sure. Very valid wondering given the fact of what we just went through. Like it was trauma. So I'm sure that actually, I know that, that people did wonder if we were going to make it out of that. And I do think that those two things are part of why we are still together and still love each other. (laughs) I feel like the therapy part is probably, I mean, obviously like uh, processing it the way you want to, but I feel like therapy, uh, the reason why I even asked, like, did you guys do it immediately? Is because I feel like a lot of people are like, I can deal with this myself. Like I, I, especially if you're like religious, like you can be like, I can do this with the help of, you know, heavenly father or God or whoever it is that you believe in. But like, yes that is partly true but like there are professionals in this like area for a reason because you need someone to help what was the question how did you process (laughs) how how, like what did that look like and even like with the therapy i mean how what was that like i guess yeah oh man um it was so different from moment to moment it's hard to really put in a box how i would feel on on a on a long time frame um, I can say that I hated God. And our lovely NICU pastor at Cook Children's told Ryan that was okay because God could handle it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that was probably one of the best pieces of advice I ever heard. That yeah. is, pastor. That is good. pastor Mike. Yeah, <laughs> wonderful man. Um, I didn't, I really didn't want to, I didn't want to hear anything about God because kind of the cliche things that we say to people are, oh, well, God has a plan. Um, this everything happens for a reason. A few people would would say said to me, "Oh, at least at least she's your guardian angel now." Um, and it, every time I heard that, I was like, "Well, geez, let's make your child your guardian angel and see how you feel about it." You know. Yeah. And part of my grief was, you know, Lila was dead. She wasn't here anymore, and the only thing I have left of her is a blanket that smells like her and every day that passes it it smells less and less like her so i'm i'm holding on for dear life so for me my grief was the only way that i could express my love for her because how else am i going to do it i'm she's not here for me to hug she's not here for me to love so the only way i can do it now is by is by crying and being angry and being frustrated and pissed off yeah was there like a, so I'm just singing this, like, as you're saying, it's like, would you have felt maybe like guilty if you didn't feel those emotions? Cause maybe like, if I'm not feeling that, then that means I'm not like honoring her or does that make sense? I don't know. Yes. And you're, you're a hundred percent right. And that's something I still, I still struggle with. Um, thing, things have gotten better, but at the same time, I, sometimes I feel like I have to carry that torch of, I, I need to be the one that is beating myself up over this well because it's been three years now when we're recording this for you know context and you do people start to forget and I feel like Ryan's like took up the torch of like I will never forget right and to me not saying this is healthy I'm just trying to be self-aware here Uh, but to me that looks uh, that looks like being sad all the time to me that looks like beating myself up depression depression shame shame. Mm. well did you guys ever too like I mean 
like along those lines like feel guilty like if you had like a happy day yeah and it, it's kind of we so lila died on march 27th and mother's day passes and it's a hard mother's day and then father's day comes and on father's <laughs> day we find out that Janelle is pregnant with Graham. I literally took a test the night before when I missed my period and it was negative. And I was like, <laughs> wow. one more just in case. What? Yeah. So we're, we, we immediately get pregnant again and, and other people may feel differently, but this is how I feel. This is just my perspective. I didn't like people telling me like, oh, this is, this will make you feel, having another baby will make you feel better. Like, whoa, hold on there. Like, yeah having another baby isn't going to make me grieve Lila any less. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't replace her. Right. Yeah. And so, and he knew it was a boy. Yeah. He knew from the minute I was pregnant, he's like, it's going to be a boy. In a lot of ways, I'm grateful it was. Yeah. Cause I feel like Lila died young and that's another thing with us. I feel like we don't, I know, I, again, I know this isn't right, but it's, it's these thoughts that come across my mind sometimes. Lots of people have experienced child loss. And since Lila died, we've met people who have lost their nine-year-old daughter to, to brain cancer. And that's an awful thing. And sometimes I feel like I'm not allowed to grieve my child because she only lived for three months. And whereas this family had nine years with their daughter. And, and they, they watched her die slowly. Yeah. And maybe that's a worse situation, but you know, I don't like to compare trauma because uh, if well, they're if all different, right, it's different. And if you, if you win the worst trauma contest, then you actually kind of lose, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's a big thing I've learned since is, is empathy. You know, every, every trauma is, is valid. Yeah. Uh, no matter what it is, whether it's your three month old daughter, whether, whether it's your nine month old daughter, whether it's a miscarriage, uh, whatever it may be it's all but trauma. that's something i have a hard time with because people will do that to me oh well i know exactly what you're going through because i miscarried at 26 weeks i lost you know i i oh well i had a miscarriage i had a stillbirth i'm like i get really like worked up about it because i'm like no like i don't know what it's like to miscarry like that far along yeah. i don't like i cannot empathize i don't know what that is yeah i don't yeah. know what it's like to give birth to a baby who doesn't cry yeah. And so that, yeah, that always grinded my gears a little bit. Yeah. So I'd be like, it's not like, and there's no, like, why are we comparing? Like, why is it like a, yeah. it's not a contest of grief. No. So like what you said. So that's, that's a phrase we always avoid is I know what you're going through because it, like, I don't. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm not going to say to the, to the person who lost her nine-year-old girl, I know what you're going through. Cause I don't, I don't know what it's like to lose a nine-year-old daughter. I don't know what it's like to watch them die of cancer. I don't know what it's like to watch your wife miscarry. Mm-hmm. And so for any listeners out there, try to avoid that phrase because it's probably unhelpful. I guess. And that kind of like leads to another question. Like how, how do we mourn with those who mourn? I was just thinking, cause like we needed different things. Yeah. Cause we were so different. So what did you, you, you always loved when people were like, wow, this sucks. <laughs> that was Ryan's favorite thing is if someone hugged him and was like, I don't know what to say, but this is terrible. Ryan's like, thank you. And that's what he needs. Like validates too. Yeah. Like, yeah, this does suck. And I'm glad you're not trying to like, you know, make me. I feel like everyone was like on a mission to make us feel better, and we didn't want to feel we better. Didn't want to feel better. Yeah. yeah. So sorry. I'm also thinking like. So you said both of you kind of like grieve differently, but like 
when you received support from like outside people like your family your friends or whoever did you also need different things from that I mean it sounds like Ryan saying like you wanted people to be like yeah this is the worst but like did you Janelle need like I don't know what did you need from outside people so for me Lila dying my grief looked a lot different than Ryan and I don't know if it I mean I know it's just because we're different people like for me a lot of it was like I don't know if I was like in a rush to move not move on but just move forward like I I felt sad I feel like I did the five stages of grief like not quickly but a little quicker than you did them and I feel like I was just kind of like I was okay full disclosure I sat on the bathroom floor when she was like 12 hours old pleading with God to have anything with my baby I would take any amount of time as long as she wasn't about to die like right so when, when we hit 84 days and she died, part of me felt, I don't know if it was guilt or gratitude, maybe a little bit of both. Cause I was like, well, at least I got 84 days. I don't think I was supposed to have 84 days. Yeah. So like, I kind of carried that with me and then mother's day hit and I was a mom without a baby. And that was super hard for me. So I was very anxious to get pregnant because I had a hole in my heart where a baby should be mm-hmm. not to discredit Lila, not to discredit what Ryan just told you about, like, you know, having another child, but like I needed one, like I needed a baby. Cause I was tired. And like mother's day, everyone's like, Oh wait, you're, you're still a mom. And I'm like, yeah, but like, I, like, my arms are empty. Mm-hmm. Like I needed a baby. And like, having Graham like getting pregnant as quickly as we did Lila's first birthday hit Graham was born the day after Valentine's Day so I had him like in my arms when I like her death date came around like the one year of her death came around and so like for me and Graham was a terrible baby he was so hard and it was kind of like something about him being so hard I probably used it as like a distraction yeah all my energy and time went into taking care of this little like grumpy infant. And like, I'm almost, I'm so grateful for that. Yeah. Cause like my, I was able to move forward and feel more complete having him, which I know you and I have very different feelings about that, but yeah, that was, and that was honestly for me, the hardest part of the whole thing. I don't want to say harder than losing her. Maybe second only to losing her was watching him, watching him struggle, watching him, you know, try to wrestle with God and with these emotions. And I'm a fixer. Like I want him to be happy. I want everyone to be happy. I want like to fix all the things around me. And I couldn't fix this for him. I couldn't make it better. Mm -hmm. I could sit there with him and try to love him through it. Yeah. And that was the hardest part for me. It still is. And like where we are now versus where we were then is a million times more peaceful. I don't say better. That sounds terrible, but it looks different. It looks different now. And it's just, you know, I feel like there's a lot more peace in our lives where there used to be a lot more turmoil. Yeah. But that so was a hard part. feel like, cause I know Ryan just said that, um, you know, he didn't appreciate people kind of being like, oh, like if you have a new baby, it'll, you know, be make everything better. Yeah, make yeah. Everything better. <laughs> Do you feel like there was any healing with having Graham? For, yeah, yes and no. There was trauma with having Graham. Like Graham's pregnancy was totally fine, but I was like, had PTSD leading up to giving birth because I was just waiting for the other shoe to drop. But I knew it would be okay. 
like I, like where I all, where I was always worried and we had that feeling that everything was going to go wrong with Lila. I had the complete opposite feeling with going into having Graham. Yeah. Like, like everything's going to be fine. And so, and then when I had him and this still continues to this day, I feel guilt when I'm not happy with being a mom because I lost the chance of being a mom to her. So it's like, how dare I be frustrated that my infant won't sleep and that I'm up all day, every day, because she's dead. Yeah. At least he's here. So like, there's a lot of that, like guilt associated with it still. So like he helped and he didn't hurt ever, but he helped, but it also was kind of, two yeah, it's like ever. a sword type of thing. So did you guys, I know you guys kind of touched based on the therapy thing, but do you guys feel like, cause that's the thing is like, I feel like, um, most people don't realize like the death of a child is considered a trauma and that a lot of people will have like PTSD from it. Um, I guess like, what did that look for, like for, for you guys? And did the therapy help? I will fully acknowledge that I have trauma like from this because I see it come out in little things. Like, like I was at work one day and we have like a Spotify playlist that just kind of plays at work. And like her song came on the Spotify playlist. And I was just like, you know, just like smack you in the face and make me want to fall over and cry. Like, are you kidding me? And like, it was no one's fault. It just came up. And I'm like, I like look at my coworker. I'm like, can you change the song? And she's like, oh yeah, sure. And then she's like, are you okay? I was like, no. What song is it? If you don't mind me asking. It's the song Rainbow by Casey Musgraves. If you've ever heard that song. I have, I'll have to listen. I'll have to listen to it. It's really good. Ryan found it when she was alive. Yeah, I was like, oh, this song reminds me of Lila. And then she, and then, and then Lila died. I was like, oh man, the, the song kind of fits it even a little bit better now. And I hate it for that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, yeah. And it's like, I, oh, and this is actually an interesting one this year. Was it the very beginning of March that I started like going dark and I didn't realize it? Yeah. Like this, this month, this beginning of March this year. So this will be year three. I was like blue. And I never knew why I was like, why am I so down all the time? Like, I was like, I don't get it. Like, I'm fine. Like everything's fine. And it took me probably like, it was probably like two weeks where I was just like, not happy. And I couldn't figure out like, we were fine. Graham's fine. Like there's no reason why I wasn't happy. And then I was driving. So for part of my work right now, I drive a lot to a different appointments. I was in the car driving and I like had a full blown, like breakdown, like tears like streaming down my face because I realized I was missing her and I but like because it was nearing anniversary like anniversary dates are always big so it's like nearing anniversaries and like I was just missing her I was missing her like seeing my baby and I didn't realize that I was missing her and then once I realized it and like I am not the type like I don't cry too often about her being gone because I don't dwell too often about her being gone like I kind of take it out when I want to. And then I just put it back. Like I compartmentalize a little bit. So I like take it out. I feel it. And then I'm like, okay, let's just like put that back on the shelf. And it's like the shelf just kind of fell on me. (laughs) And I was suddenly like forced to deal with this. And like, it's hard because these anniversaries come around like this last one, it's been three years. And it was super interesting to me, like who actually reached out to me. I don't know how you felt about this, but like who actually remembered and reached out to me 
about it. Cause there's people who reached out to me that I was like, Oh, like you actually like remembered, cared like about it. Yeah. And then there's people that I would have considered really close to me that like, didn't reach out to me or like reach out to me at like the very end of the day. Like they like saw that I put something on Facebook and they're like, crap. and they're like, Oh, I love you so much. Hope everything's okay. <laughs> like, you know, and just like, it was just really interesting that that was like the concept. Like I have a best friend who had her, she recently had a baby and she like her first baby and she like dressed her all in Lila's colors were like red and purple. So like, she sends me a photo of her baby all like dressed in red and she's like wearing a red shirt and she's like thinking of you today. And I'm like, Oh, that's like so sweet. Like Mm -hmm. I just wouldn't expect anyone to do that. So it was just really sweet of her to do that. So So that kind of goes along with your question. You asked Bridget, how can we mourn with those that mourn? Um, There were, Gosh, this is such a, it's such a hard topic because people ask me sometimes, what do we say to people who are in a similar situation? And I can't, I don't know how to answer that. I can just give my perspective. Um, Don't, I mean, don't tell them that everything happens for a reason. Don't tell them that, you know, God has a plan because, you know, if, if this did happen for a reason and if this truly was God's plan, then why am I such a victim? Mm -hmm. Does it mean that God hates me? The some of the people that said the best things to me, they just came to me and they like like Janelle said, they just came to me and they just said, I'm sorry, this sucks. I don't know the answers. All I can say is that I'm sorry. And and they would just sit there and they would just cry with me. And they would just be there with me. And they would and they would they weren't afraid to go into that dark place with me. And ask questions. And ask questions. Else, everyone's so scared to like, it's like when you were like, oh, I hope this doesn't offend you. We kind of like, we're like that. Like we're the kind of people who are like, just ask us. Like, because yeah. we probably, like most people, if they've lost a child, they want to talk about their child. They just don't want to make you uncomfortable by bringing up their dead child. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we have this societal thing, like, oh, like people will look at us in church and be like, oh, you guys are humble do you have and I'm like okay do I make you feel uncomfortable or do I just give you the answer that you want and then you're going to go on your way and be happy we have one isn't he so cute mm-hmm. yeah. or oh we have two one of them you know she passed away and then him yeah. yeah so it's I think that one for me like at least for me is I'm always so sensitive because like I said I can only compare this to what my brother-in-law is there's nothing I mean like you said like everybody's grief and everybody's like everybody that has experienced a child loss is very different um but I know for my like brother and sister-in-law like we did not talk about it like they did not want to talk about it they like and so it was like it was kind of just like this like elephant in the room does that make sense like yeah like they drew that as their boundary this is yeah and it was just like like even even still to this day it's like it's still like an elephant in the room. So it's like, and even my husband, you know, where it's, where is it's his brother? He's like, I, I like, don't know what to say because they don't want to talk about it. So that's the thing is like, for us, like, I'm just like, you know, obviously everybody's different. Everybody, how they are dealing with that, even still like is different from how other people would. So how, I guess, like, how do you gauge that? Just well, yeah, that's what I was gonna ask too. Like, do you do you ask? Or like, should should we be like, what are you comfortable with talking about? Like, do you like at the beginning? I don't know. Like, how yeah, how do you even navigate that? 
when we were going through all the Lila stuff, like that really long story that I told you about, my dad came out. So this was in Texas. So my dad flew out, like I'm calling him on the phone, like crying, like you need to get here right now. And his thing, when he landed, he was like, I'm here to support you. And he would always say, how do you phrase it? I never can remember. What do you need? What do you need? Like, he would just look at us and be like, what do you need? And then he'd like sit there and stare at you until you like gave him something to do. And it was like silly stuff. Like I was like, can you go spray our house for bugs? And he's like, yep. (laughs) And off he went. Like, what do you need? Like, oh, can you? And it was like easy stuff. Like, can you go buy us dinner? And it was hard stuff. Like things I won't say because we're not going to go there. But like there, like that, like that phrase is very like, what I hate is when people are like, okay, let us know if you need anything. Oh, oh. no one's not helpful. Like, no one. I'm gonna let you know. <laughs> so it was different. It wasn't let us know. It was like, what do you need right now? Like, mm-hmm. do and you I need am not taking no for an answer? Yeah, like, do you need food? Do you need, you know, like, and for, and that was like, I don't know. That was like golden at the time as a put for what you were talking about with how you ask people, would you just ask them, how would you want someone to ask you? I'm I very would, blunt. I'd rather have you just be like, do you want to talk about this? No. Yes. I would, I would just ask them. I mean, I don't, I don't know your brother-in-law because I, I can only, I can only give my perspective, but for me, I would appreciate if someone just came to me and said like, Hey, I want to talk about this and I want to talk about it because, because I love you and I care about you yeah you don't want to talk about it that's fine you can put up that wall and I'll respect your boundaries yeah so you guys like genuinely appreciate when people like share an interest and want to know and want to talk about it I remember actually we went to Hawaii what like a month after she died yeah and like people from like friends from my childhood that I literally had not seen in like years we all happened to be in Hawaii at the same time like different couples. And so we like, they saw that we were in Hawaii. So they're like, let's all meet up and like go out to dinner. And so we did. And then we went back to one of their houses because she's living there in Hawaii with her family. And they like kind of sat there and looked at us. This was like three weeks later. They like sat there and looked at us. And one of them, I love her. Her name's Rachel. She was just like, so, and then she started asking like these really hard questions. And we were like, we're like, yeah, let's do like, Let's go there. Let's go. Let's Let's go there. Let's bring it down five notches because we were laughing, but it was like so good for us because we had been laughing, crying. Your friend Parker is good at that too. Like, I don't know. There's just something about, like I said, we're very emotional people though. Like we wear our emotions on our sleeves. We like, if I am mad, he knows I'm mad. If I'm sad, he knows I'm mad. I'm sad. Like I am not like the mask is not there. Mm-hmm. so if I'm in my emotions for me I would rather talk about it and then get over it not over it but through it yeah because mm-hmm. that's how I function yeah Bridget and I have this friend whose dad died unexpectedly um and uh I follow her sister on Instagram and she has like a whole Instagram account that's dedicated to grief. yeah her, to grief and um to me it's been like super eye-opening because I feel like I'm the awkward person that's like should I bro like approach this situation or like should I even mention it because I don't know how they're feeling but basically I mean it's kind of like saying what you guys are saying but like one of the things I remember her saying is just like hey I'm thinking of you like and I I think for me that's a that's a stepping stone because I for me because I don't know how to be like 
hey, like you've had this really traumatic thing happen. Um, so I don't know. I'm just, I think I'm more awkward in those situations and I need to. It's hard. You don't want to ruin your friendships, your relationships. Like I'm pretty sure I've burned a few bridges in my grief. And it's not because I wanted to be like this mean human, but like I was so in my grief that it was hard for me to like, and people didn't give me the grace or the forgiveness that I needed. So I know I burned bridges. I know there's people that tried to like reach out to me that I probably wasn't the best at like responding to because I just wasn't there mm-hmm. and they kind of gave up on me. And then there's other people who didn't give up on me and they're like, okay, she's gone through it. We're just going to like stand here until she's like ready to move forward. They just need all the grace in the world yeah. and just let them, let them be mad. If they lash out at you, just know that they're not, they're probably not mad at you. They're, they're mad because they're grieving. Yeah. And life is probably a little unfair to them. Some of the coolest things that people did for us after Lila died. I remember our, our dear friend, Amy, the day after Lila died, Amy comes over to our house completely unannounced and she takes her dog and he, and she just takes him for a walk. And when she comes back from the walk, she comes to our home and she sweeps the floor and she does our dishes without even saying a word to us this whole time. Cause she doesn't know what to say. but she didn't want to be there and she was helping in any way she knew how and when she was done doing our dishes and she was like all right I love you guys and she just left (laughs) and I'm just sitting there on the couch with a thousand yard stare in my eye we you know she's she was a true friend she wanted to do something for us and what we did at that moment when we were planning a funeral we needed our dishes done we needed our dog walked and that was something simple that she could do Mm-hmm. So she, she just came over and did it without even asking. And my mom, I, I know this is like my mother. So it's like her job to take care of me. But like, literally, we didn't plan anything for the funeral in that sense. Because my mom just like took care of stuff. Like she just, I don't know. I still thank her to this day. Like she packed Lila's entire room up in boxes. So we could eventually move it. So we didn't have to pack it. Yeah. She planned, you know, she'd kind of be like, so um, can you sign this piece of paper? And like hand this piece of paper to sign because like, there were like legal things of getting a body from Texas to California, like to the mortuary from Texas to California. Like there were like steps and she just kind of like took care of all the steps. Cause that's my mom. Like she doesn't, she doesn't do well with like emotion. She does well with like, let's get things done. And so she's like, okay, get everything done. like, okay, like what song do you want on the program? And like, okay. okay. And then like, she'd like go take care of it. And that's just like, okay. Like the picture, like, I don't know. She just kind of like did stuff. And when you're sitting, like you said, like we're like zombies, like we're just there, we're just existing. And people who made us laugh, actually, those are my favorite people too. Um, Janelle and I want to make it clear to everyone that there were so many people that came through for us big time after Lila died. More people came through for us than not. There were people that lent us their time, uh, their money, their resources, their food, their homes, and gave us whatever we needed at that time. And there's not a day that goes by that we do not think of you. And I wish I could sit here and list off that name of names. Uh, but, but I can't because there's not enough time to do that. So if you're listening to this and you're wondering if you're one of those people, you probably are. And we think about you every single day. I think that is so nice for you to give that shout out to everybody, which kind of leads me to my next question of um, if there was anything that gave you guys peace after Lila passed away medication (laughs) he was on yes you you're gonna say it he was on medication and that actually helped a lot I was not 
I probably could have been many times, but I never did that route. Yeah. Medication. Yeah. It can help, but also the combination with therapy too, though. Right. Right. And I, I know that people, people do like to turn to religion and we are, and we are religious yeah. for me. That didn't, that didn't really give me peace at that point. Going to church is still really hard. People say things that you don't like in their world. It sounds fine. And it's not meant to be like rude to you, but just like, I don't know. You just, you take it differently once you've been through stuff. Yeah. And, and again, this is just my perspective. And, and a lot of people may find that peace and, and, and spirituality for me that didn't really do it. I needed, I needed a more grounded approach. I needed therapy. And I, I probably did get to a point where I was grieving in an unhealthy way. So I just, I need, I, me personally, I did need that extra help uh, from medication. Yeah. And I kind of forgot what it was like to feel normal. And then, and then well, Butrin, Hey, that's Should what I'm on. Hey, the wonder drug. We're all on it. <laughs> well, no, and it was, it was hard as his wife. Cause our relationship went through, as you can imagine, it went through it. Cause not only did like Lila die, but one year later we have a new baby and a global pandemic. Oh yeah. Oh, and we were like indoors. Like everything's <laughs> compounded on and each other. So, like it was hard. And I, and I was just felt so sad for him. Cause I was like, cause I, at this point still could feel joy. Like yeah. I could still be happy. I could, you know, I was living life for the most part and he was not, and it was his job to like hold this candle forever and ever. And I remember what the, like, after he got on Wellbutrin, I do remember one day he looked at me and he's like, Janelle, I'm like a seven. And I was like a seven, you need to be like a 10. What do you mean you're a seven? It's like, Janelle, I've been like a two. <laughs> like this is a big step a up. year and a half he's like I didn't know what it's like to be like a very neutral seven he's like seven's good and I was like oh okay fine <laughs> to me I'm like I live at like an eight most of the time <laughs> nine ten you know like yeah. so yeah so that was that was a good that was a good step and a necessary step and we had a very good therapist who Ryan spent a lot of time talking to and she just she was wonderful and this was in California now yeah we did therapy in California okay a little bit here, but yeah. none in Texas. Cause we were only in, we were in Texas. We moved the 4th of July. So she died. I like, we you know we were there for, that was March to the 4th of July. Okay. We spent time in, in Hawaii. We spent time in California burying her in April, you know, then we went to Hawaii and then we started packing up to move. So, so what does grief look like for you guys now? We're, th- you guys are three years post Lila's death and still going through it or you're able to deal with those emotions better like what does that look like people often everyone sends you the same poem after after <laughs> after you go through something like this it, it likens grief to you're in an ocean and it comes in waves mm-hmm. and pretty soon after the trauma happens there's just waves wave after wave is hitting you and it's knocking you down and you can't get back up and right now I feel like I'm, I'm still sitting in that ocean of grief, but it's much more of a calm. It's, it's a calmer ocean. And every now and again, like three days ago, I broke down in the shower because Mm. I was wishing that Lila was here to help me plan mother's day. Mm. You know, I think about how much she would have loved mother's day. And I imagine the cards that she would have made and the, and and then the breakfast she would have made, I I missed out on, on, on those experiences. And I, and I broke down in the shower and I got out of the shower and 
and it was okay again. And that probably that happens less and less often now. But like I said, I still I still sit in that ocean. Yeah, mm-hmm. always there. I'm just not getting knocked down by so many waves all the time. Mm-hmm. For me, grief is. I don't know. For me, it's like around anniversaries, like days that mean something. Like we have, a, we love Christmas. We love gifts. We love everything Christmas. But the hard part is that Christmas is like this looming countdown to like when we're about to start all of our Lila days. Mm-hmm. So it's like every Christmas, Christmas ends, and then I sit there in this like pit in my stomach because our birthday is July or July, January second. You know, then we're okay. We got through that day, so then we're okay for a while. And then we get to the anniversary of her death. And so like that, for me, that time of year is really hard. Yeah. Most of the time I'm usually, I'm usually pretty good. And that's not to be like, I'm so great. I just like, I'm, I don't know. I think I've processed it a little bit differently. It'll hit me like at times, like there's things I actively avoid because I know that it'll trigger that in me and I don't want to deal with it. So I just kind of put it on the shelf to not deal with it. Um, I don't know if that's good or bad. For me, a lot of grief, grief is missed expect. Like I had expectations. Like we expected to have like a three-year-old little girl running around. Like, oh, like I see. Okay. it's that lack of like that expectation of like what life should be like. Life should look like this. And it doesn't look like that. Mm-hmm. And that is where my grief plays in. Yeah. Like I'm supposed to have two children. I'm not supposed to just have, I do have two. You know what I'm saying though? Like, yeah. me. like I'm supposed to have two babies. Like I'm supposed to have, you know, like my body has carried two babies. I have the marks and the pooch to show that but like I have one baby so it like here with us that we get to hold and kiss and snuggle and so for me that's a big one is that lack of you know like and I said that to my friend one time when she was telling me she had a miscarriage and she talked me about it and I was like well I get that because that's like you expected to have a baby at the end of this if you didn't expect yeah. to lose your baby it's like that's I get that grief about what should have been what would have been if life had been different yeah. So do you guys, do you guys still go to therapy today or less frequently or? Full disclosure. I've been to therapy like this. Okay. Like well, totally. I was curious. Just because that's how I process. I, I, I've done better. You carried therapy a lot longer than I have. Yeah. But I haven't gone in a, in a couple months. Yeah. Ryan like checks in. Yeah. That's good. At used, this point. It used to be, it used to be a weekly thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it like scaled back and then it scaled back a little bit. And... What, what is like there? I mean, what is therapy like the, the death of a child? Like, do they just allow you to just talk and it's that sure therapy. therapist is different. Yeah. The, the funny thing about therapy is that they, they don't, therapists don't give you advice. <laughs> they just kind of listen. They, they sit yeah. there and they listen and they, and they, and they validate, they, they, this is just my experience that they, they validate everything you say and they, and they try to, they might try to shift your perspective a little bit. I feel like the thing therapists are really good at that was helpful to me was asking the right questions. That's true. Cause they, yeah. And then, and he's had two different therapists, love them both. I think they both served him very well in like the different seasons of what he was going through. But a lot of it was not only like dealing with his grief, but like for Ryan is like, why do you think the way you think? Like, what, why is this, how you're handling this situation? Like, is there a way we can shift your perspective to realize that like, like we have a therapist that talks about like shame, like, is that, is that come from shame? Like is shame making you talk that way about yourself? Very Brene Brown, if you like mm-hmm. Brown, like, you know, there's a difference between guilt and shame. So it's just kind of been interesting to like 
learn more about ourselves. And that's the other thing that's kind of like, is it just also therapeutic to kind of just like talk about those things that you may not want to like come to terms with or bring up and with a therapist it's like this unbiased opinion and obviously they have like the schooling or whatever behind it but um I didn't know if that was also just like played into part with that they're just able to talk freely for you that was good I think yeah and you, you touched on the shame a bit. I feel like the way I grieving, the way I grieved was tied into a lot of uh, shame that I felt about myself and yeah. how I how I looked at my own life. So I think I probably needed therapy, even if Lila had never happened. Yeah. <laughs> but but Lila, but Lila kind of magnified a lot of issues that I already had with how I view the world around me and myself. And I will say, I think there, when it comes to something like this, we touched on this earlier, but like there, you want to be able to tell your spouse everything. Like your spouse is supposed to be like, like he's my best friend. Like my life is better because he's in it. But like, there were things he could not tell me because he was so worried about how I'd react or like with very valid points. I am very emotional, but you know, like you, there are things you can't just look at your wife and say when your wife is also going through it. Like you can't say them because if you say them, that adds to her, her, what she's carrying. And so it was nice for him to have a place he could go and say things to somebody because I clearly wasn't helping at that point. So he was able to talk freely about, you know, even the dark stuff that he was feeling at that time. So I think it's just good for anybody. Do you feel like those tart dark times are getting like there's a lighter aspect of them now like it's not as dark 100 percent. and i feel like that that that's only shifted recently yeah the past few months i would say yeah especially for you i would say i don't know what it is yeah that's i I mean like is it time is it just that you're you've gone to therapy and you're taking medicine or like what has made it be better i guess I think, I think it's how I, I used to view the world very black and white and Janelle and I have very distinct views on how we view Lila's death. (laughs) Janelle views everything, everything happens for a reason. I don't, I don't subscribe to that personally. Yeah. So, you know, so my, my line of thought was, well, if, if everything happens for a reason, then God killed Lila. And if God killed Lila, then God must hate me. And that would be my, that would be my train of thought. Yeah. And, and going to a therapist, especially one with kind of with the same religious background, not that that's necessary, but it helps the therapist kind of understand where you're coming from. Yeah. It, it did kind of shift my mindset, like, okay, like maybe God doesn't hate me. Well, and you shift my mindset about like, I was like a firm believer in everything happens for a reason, like down to my very utter core that like, if something bad happened to me, it was because I did something wrong. So like I earned whatever bad thing happened to me. And so I don't know, I've shifted too over the years, just being around you. Cause I don't always think that, but no, but I agree with you. I'm sure that helped. Like I'm assuming it was like LDS family services or no, just LDS people. We happen to know that are oh, okay. trained therapists. Um, Cause you know, at least for me, like, um, my faith is like a lot of how I think or, or how I process things or is like a very 
big aspect to my life, but also to my husband's life as well. And so being able to probably talk to somebody that also shares that and, and them having a similar viewpoint. Well, it's nice not have to give them a history lesson. Yeah. Like, (laughs) like a (laughs) theological lesson and why you feel what you feel. This is, this is the celestial kingdom. And (laughs) (laughs) can you, some of you're explaining this to me, you're like, okay, here's the first discussion. (laughs) Kind of. And it's not, it's nice not to do that. So when you go in with like family issues and children, you know, it's just kind of, it's easier because you're all coming from the same, you all have the same toolbox that you're working with. Do you feel like having that somebody that shared that religious background as you like made it easier where maybe you didn't go even darker than how you felt I don't know you're pretty dark I got pretty dark you got pretty dark for a long time <laughs> well and I will say that like not to like touch on our marriage again but that did play a huge role in our marriage because you're sitting there with two people who are trying to like live life like you still have to like go to work and pay your bills and like function and then we, and I was pregnant and we had a baby and I'm like trying to be happy about this baby and like my husband's not exactly like the happiest cloud in the sky at that point that's not a reference but anyway I'm just making stuff up it's late um so it's just you know it's kind of hard it's kind of hard to carry it and you know I think Graham and I he does not replace Lila in any way shape or form but he's almost been like a distraction from a lot of feelings too because yeah. like I said, he's there. He needs you. Like we were looking at him today and he's got this new thing. That's not new, but he like, he'll sit there on the ground and he'll look at us and he'll like hold his bubble wand up to us and just stare at us holding bubble. Like, how can you not just be like, Oh my gosh. Okay. I love you so much. And like, go, you know, these little innocent eyes and to him, he doesn't know. He doesn't know any of it. He doesn't yeah. know any of this, that like to him, I fully believe, and this goes into my like feeling like, <laughs> I don't know, cup half full. I stood on Lila's gravestone two days before I found out I was pregnant and was like, send me your favorite friend. Like send whoever it is, boy or girl, I want them. And like, I fully believe that's why we have, like, that's why Graham is this little person that came to us. And like other people may think that's stupid or dumb, but like, it brings me so much being like, okay, you're her favorite person and you're our favorite person. And we're all just a little favorite family. Like, yeah, it makes me happy. Just, I mean, he's two. A little over two. He turned two in February. Okay. Um, I'm like, does, have you guys like told him about her or like what you guys can or understand? I'm trying to think of like Austin's four and a half and JD, since he was born at 34 weeks, he's like a little bit slower i mean i say that nicely but like no, you're, you're good graham um develop i don't know like i'm trying to think of like two years old what they can understand or not how old is jd now he is oh gosh he was born in march as well so he's 14 months okay so he's yeah. younger than graham um so graham well, first of all, we like have pictures of Lila. Like Lila is like a very much a part of our household. Yeah. So like there are pictures of her upstairs, downstairs, like she's, she's there. She's kind of yeah. like in the background of our lives. 
Um, do you want to talk about Graham or no? Yeah, Graham's got a, he's got a developmental delay and we're kind of in the process of getting him diagnosed. Which was another thing that caused a lot of issues because we're like, seriously. With autism. Again. Oh yeah. Like we have, we can just like be healthy. We had to like have delays not talking. So Graham doesn't talk. He's just starting to walk. So we, we don't talk to him about Lila because like, because he doesn't understand. He wouldn't understand what we're saying. (laughs) Um, I'll like walk by her and be like, look, there's your sister. You know, like that kind of stuff. He doesn't know what I'm talking about. He barely knows. <laughs> he's picking up a lot more nowadays, but he's still learning a lot. But to answer your question, maybe for the future, Lila is never something that we wouldn't talk about. Yeah. Like I've seen that in some of my friends, they had siblings that had died and they like, didn't have pictures of them. They just like, weren't there. Mm-hmm. Like almost like tucked away as something they didn't want to deal with. And I'm sure the parents were grieving with it, but I think that was a societal thing. Like, yeah, put it away, put it on the shelf. You don't talk about it, but like, our home will always have, like when we take family photos, Ryan is usually the one who holds the picture of Lila oh, that's sweet. in the family photo. Cause that's like important to us that she's yeah. still on as a part of our, our family. Yeah. Yeah. She is a part of our family. Like she's not yeah. any less a member. Yeah. So that kind of like goes in line. What I was going to ask is like, I know you guys talked about that you guys appreciate um, people like remembering her birthday or like anniversaries um of when she passed away um how do you guys feel about like um and I don't know if you guys were given gifts to remember her by like like a necklace or you know what I mean like did you do you guys like that kind of stuff or because I feel like and this is obviously very different I'm thinking of women that have like um had miscarriages and I know women that because I feel like it's more prevalent or maybe more talked about like nowadays but um I know women that have like strong feelings about like a necklace that has like a flower for you know I don't know like a flower Um, charm for them or whatever I didn't really want jewelry from other people I wanted it because I wanted to like like it or pick it out myself if I was gonna wear it yeah there was but I will say that with a caveat because I had people that gave me very thoughtful things that were like I don't know. You could tell they thought through it a lot and I could see like the beauty behind that. So like, I don't discredit anything anyone ever brought me because it was all very sweet. But I, most of the jewelry that I wore full time for a really long time is stuff that I picked out myself because it was like, I curated it. I will say this is going to make us sound like terrible people, but there were some gifts that we got that we were just like, (laughs) and we would just like toss them because they just were not what we wanted or needed or it was just stuff. I'm like I want to know but I'm like I'm sure if you talked about it I would like give away that person <laughs> yeah, I'm like, it was a wooden thing what it was it was an object <laughs> any 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 little mementos we would have just gotten ourselves there was just like knick-knacky things like I don't need another knick-knack if I want something I'll just get it and myself. that's and and I'll say this just to just to kind of smooth it out a little bit I know I sound terrible <laughs> My Janelle's dad, he's right when after Lila died, he said, just remember that people are going to say and do a lot of things, but just remember that no matter how bad or annoying it may seem, all anyone is ever doing or saying is that they're sorry. Yeah. They just wanted they just want to help in any way. And I appreciate I, I I do appreciate that aspect that people would want to give us gifts and they want to shower us with love and 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 items and mementos and, and things like that. Now I sound terrible. We just didn't really like. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
No, you don't. I love like, everything. I just there. You asked a very specific question. There were some things that we didn't. Right, read. but no, I just like it was just you know if it was just like little doodads, we didn't. We didn't keep every little doodad. We have <laughs> a guys... huge. We have a huge box of stuff like Lila's stuff. Whether whatever that means, like yeah. we have a. I have all of her clothes and stuff, obviously, but like all those memento type things that we did keep. Like we, we got one thing and her name, what they got her name inscribed on it and her name was misspelled. Yeah. Cool. And it was just like, ugh. Okay, this is like a side question, but did you guys choose her name because of Friday Night Lights? Have you guys seen that movie? <laughs> no, no, but I'm sure that's where we got it from, like in the back. Okay. I, no, well, I had a huge crush on yeah, Lila. Yeah, love Lila Garrity. Lila Garrity, yeah. No, all of our babies have Texas, have have old country roots. So like okay. Lila June is June Carter. Graham oh. is Graham Parsons. Like, so we're, yeah. <laughs> we no, have- I was just curious because I was like, but it's like you lived in Texas, so I mean, it's not a stretch. <laughs> it probably came. No, I. How did Lila come up? Did you bring it up? Did I bring it up? I brought it up because I love Lila. Okay, Gary. yeah, she was named Lila Gary apparently from Friday Night Lights. I got that was it. That That's where her name's from. Her you know, name's Anthony from. has a crush on her too, and I'm like, okay, like, <laughs> we well, love we that show though. Lila, and we liked the name June. Her name's Lila June, and so we're like, we like the name Lila, we like the name June, and then we're like, throw them together. Is that her middle? Is June her middle name, or is it truly? Technically, it's her middle name, but we always just call. You always I called, called her, Lila, her Lila, June. Lila June most of the time. Okay, how can we help somebody like that's going through? A situation like this i feel like sometimes we like look for people to suddenly like be happy because we said or did or showed up but i think for me it's not that you showed up it's like who's like this is gonna sound bad but it's kind of like who's still here yeah who still shows up for me and who's still like has an active like vested interest in us and like those are the people that i'm like you're my tr- like those are true friends like the people who just never gave up on me even when i was difficult or i was hard you know hard to reach or Bridget like let's say let's say we're best friends and let's say Lila died yesterday here's what I would love from you I would love if you if you made sure that we had meals I would love if you made sure that all the chores in our house are taken care of not saying that you have to do them I would love if you if you checked in on me frequently and like like Janelle said, not just the weeks after, but the months and years after. Yeah. I would love if you were open to asking me the hard questions. Yeah. And not just and not just saying it just for just just to kind of make yourself feel better, but like actually be willing to go go down that in that deep dark place with me. Yeah. And Man, I just, I would, I would want to know that I'm never annoying you. Yeah. Because, you know, the, the grief is always there, but it's a lonely place to be. And sometimes I do need to be alone. And I, I'd hope you would have the, the, the wherewithal to, and we'd have an honest relationship for me to say like, Hey, I just, I, I need to be alone right now. Thank you for checking in on me. And sometimes I would need you to, to, to talk to me and just, and just be there. Yeah. And what and, and whatever be there means for, for me that meant going to the batting cages, that meant going to get chips and queso, that meant whatever. Yeah. But you know, just and not not being the person like, oh well, you know, I don't want to <laughs> Ryan's kind of a downer. I don't want to be with him. 
because you're right I you know I was I've been a downer for like three years now and I'm kind of tired of being a downer <laughs> at this point but I would hope that I'd have friends that would give me enough grace just to maybe either either let me be let me be a downer or 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 just be there with me and I don't, I don't know if that answers your question. I, I can't, I can't tell you the silver bullet. I can't tell you the right thing to say to someone because, like we said before, everyone's perspective is different, and everyone's situations are so unique. We could tell you a lot of wrong things to say, He's but like, we won't get it. <laughs> this has been so good. I'm like so. I don't know. I'm like just taking all. I'm pregnant, so I'm like, man, this is like, it's like, I mean fresh or like I'm like what you know I'm trying to like prepare myself like if anything goes wrong you know what to do how to react like how to help people that go in these situations like the or how to speak to people um like I said I can be awkward sometimes so like this is this has been helpful for me um but to like wrap it up and like to end it on a high note um (laughs) what do you guys do to honor Lila like do you guys have like any family traditions or like what are you doing to keep her present i don't know we celebrate her birthday every year obviously but what do we do in the day-to-day i don't know it's been it's interesting you ask that because i feel like we spent the last three years learning how to like not let her roll day to day. you know what i mean like maybe it's still too fresh i don't know no it's it's not that i think i try like i try to be like i don't know like if i see a rainbow rainbows are her thing that song we talked about like I'm like oh hi baby girl like I almost take it as like a hello Mm -hmm. and they don't happen very often I'm surprised how little I see rainbow actually but I remember one day I was like it was when we had just moved here and I was like switching careers and I was like do I want to do this forever like do I want to switch do I want to like stop teaching and do this other thing and I was sitting there and there was just like this huge rainbow across the sky and my boss who's like probably the happiest person I've ever met in my life she's like oh look at that beautiful rainbow and I was like, oh, look, I was like, Lila's saying hi. And then she's like, what? And then I got to like, you know, talk to her about like everything. And I don't know. I like to talk I, in my job. I talk to a lot of people and she gets brought up more times than she doesn't get brought up. Surprisingly, when people start talking mm-hmm. about their lives, it gets very open and honest. And I'm a very open and honest person. And it's been, I just kind of like that. I can talk about her in general conversation. And I try never to like exclude her. Like when people ask us if we have, how many kids do you have? Or like, Mm-hmm. I like to honor her by not discrediting her because she lived, she was here. She's our daughter. We yeah. have two kids. Yeah. You may see us walking around with one, but we have two. What about you? No, I think you summed it up nicely. I just, I don't know. Like to me, to me, she's my strength. She's the, she's the thunder I call down from heaven. You know, Lila lived. And so I should too. Oh, that's so good. You guys, I'm like, I said, I'm just like going to like, I'm just an emotional person right now, but I'm kind of like you guys. I'm, I'm emotional. Like, you know, whatever, but like this pregnancy is like really bringing it to like the next level. <laughs> so we, we were in church today and like the primary, like got up and sang, and I was like, Oh, Ryan, like I'm going to start crying. <laughs> like, I need to get yeah, out of here. You have an excuse. So uh, we really, really appreciate you guys sharing your story and giving hope in the wasn't hope this wasn't triggering for you guys like to go rehash everything we're good sorry we're so long-winded <laughs> no oh, i know you're fine you've got a story to tell and i think it's worth sharing yeah i mean at least for me i feel like i need to do better at like remembering people's 
like anniversary dates or like because sometimes at least for me I'm like oh I don't want to like make that pain worse or like you know I, I try to be sensitive to like people's feelings or something that traumatic that they've been through and so and maybe it's also just like our experience um with things like that but like I'm just like man I feel like I found like a new like I need to do better well people are already sitting in that ocean of trauma and you you can't make it much worse (laughs) you you going out into the waves with them and standing in it with them and giving them a hug metaphorically is not going to make them feel any worse or physically you can give them a hug (laughs) no I was just thinking that I'm like like you're saying that to me like oh and I'm like wow if somebody like just knew I have very few people I I can honestly say who actually know the day she died like the number and I know that because when I woke up on the 27th of March this year, I only heard from about three people. And then Ryan and I are like, are we going to post about it on social media? Or are we just not going to? And we decided not to. And then I did because that's how I am. <laughs> so, cause I wanted to I like change my mind. And then I heard from like, you know, then you get like all the like obligatory ones, but then I heard from a few more people and it was just very eye opening to me. Cause I'm like, those are the people who actually like want to be here in the water with me and those are the people and then the other people are the people that like care enough to say something but they don't think about it they don't think about and that's fine like I'm not faulting anyone because but it's just like interesting just kind of to see who comes out with you I really like that analogy about coming out into the water with you and being there for I guess like you said those waves or you know of that metaphorical speaking but um thank you guys so much for doing this um and answering questions that may have been hard or or um explaining things better well thanks for having us we've never done anything like this before it's been fun it's been it's been good yeah good therapy again (laughs) a therapy session right no but yeah, thank you so much. It's been, yeah, it's been a pleasure to have you guys and hear thought and, and your advice to those that are going through this or know somebody that's going through this. I, I honestly, I am a firm believer of um, people's stories or things that they have been through are going to help somebody out. Like, and so, um, and it may not be that they're going through the exact same experience, but maybe um want to know how to help somebody that has been through that and so i really appreciate it of course well thank you we appreciate you guys